podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. To a Celtic state of mind, I'm Paul John Dykeson and this Monday afternoon I'm joined by Colin Watt and I promised on Saturday that um, I would use the tagline Celtic soar <laughs> into 13 point lead at the top of the table if Barry Robson's Aberdeen got a result yesterday and they certainly did. Colin Watt, tell me about the ups and downs of your weekend. Yeah, uh, I tell you what, there was plenty of ups, plenty of downs. I think yesterday afternoon probably tipped the scales back into the the, the happiness side of the weekend, um, especially after my own team went out in the cup down here, so not great. But sitting watching that football yesterday afternoon was was a joy to behold. Uh, and I'm only talking about Newcastle putting six past Spurs because that was a great game of football. <laughs> um, but no, felt quite disappointed walking away from the game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's all to do with the, the levels that's been set by Celtic and by Ange and the team. To watch a performance like that, especially one week out from what's potentially the biggest game of the season. It was disappointing to come away from it. But as I say, yesterday's result obviously tipped the scales back in our favour. 13 points clear. Time to wrap it up next weekend, hopefully. And the meme of Homer Simpson backtracking into the hedge was uh, much used last night, and quite rightly so. So what we're going to be talking about today, we'll be talking about Celtic's performance, what went wrong on Saturday, the reaction to that as well, um, as well as yesterday's um, high point of the weekend, I would suggest. And uh, also the the fact that one of our players scored the opening goal, Liam Scales. What does that say about the loan system and how we could better use it? Um, I want to talk about Rocco Vata. Um, and I deliberately didn't get involved in too much of the to and fro uh, of social media after making the point that I thought he made a good impact because it was very interesting to see the impact of that particular comment. Uh, Also, the women's team, they've been doing the business as well. Colin will talk all about that. The fixtures, the coronation and winning the the league um, and also not winning the league at Ibrox. One more win to two in a row. Um, some more links for Ange Postacoglu. We're going to have to get used to that. More noise coming out of the Ibrox. Jota, Hatati, Abada. Will they be back? Awata's performance, Carter Vickers' performance. And everything else you want to chuck in on the comments section. If you are subscribing, you will be able to comment on a Celtic state of mind. And uh, we do thank you for subscribing. Uh, you can also give us a big thumbs up, a big like. Um, always helps us as well. So give us that on the YouTube channel as we grow. Um, We're a wee bit busy this week, but in the next couple of weeks, you will uh, see a brand new Axom show appearing on the channel. It's going to look a wee bit different. Colin's nodding his head because he has seen the, I was going to say the blueprint. He's seen the green print of that particular (laughs) show. It's going to be something a wee bit different, different time of the day. It will not affect the Axom Bulletin at 12.30 every day, but it is something a wee bit new. I think that we need to freshen it up a wee bit and we have a new show fully produced, all singing, all dancing with the lighting, the makeup, the hair, all that stuff, Colin. Right, we're going to start off with the performance. You were saying that you left the stadium on Saturday a wee bit disappointed. And I think I've seen a, a comment made by John Hughes, one of our contributors uh, yesterday, going on about the importance of trying to remain level-headed after a disappointing uh, performance. And I think having done the match days for about three years now, um, I try my best and it, it becomes almost natural, even when you're disappointed, Colin, yeah. because you know that there's going to be a lot of people angry, frustrated. And, and and back in the day, that might have happened on the supporters bus. That now happens uh, on social media channels. So it's all out there. All the anger and all the frustrations out there immediately. Um what was your what was your thoughts and where do you think the performance lacked the usual Ange tempo and and uh, flair? Do you know for me it was the the fullbacks and I'm not necessarily picking them out to be the weakest players in the team on Saturday, but 
I didn't see the overlapping fullbacks or the, the inverted fullbacks as such that we've came to expect from a team, especially when we're playing at home. Um, I didn't think that Johnston got f- far forward enough. I don't think Taylor did as well. Um, we know I noticed it more in the second half, especially when we brought young Rocco Vata on. Um, they just came out and doubled up on him. And Johnston never took that opportunity to go around them to help him out. Um, and he was putting in crosses, basically 1v2 himself. So we didn't really seem to see that. We didn't get that free-flowing passing football um, in the middle of the park. I think Kyogo was pretty much anonymous because he wasn't really getting the service. Um, and the thing is, when you walk away from it, we probably played slightly worse than one. Uh, and we had plenty of opportunities. Well, I say plenty of opportunities. We definitely had a handful of opportunities to walk away with the three points, um, especially O's miss and staff outs towards the end as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel as if it's probably just a kick up the backside that we needed. Because the performances, especially at home over the last couple of weeks, have been up and down. We had that great performance, obviously, away at Kelly, but you take the second half into the equation, uh, okay, you're already 4-1 up, but it's not typical of a Celtic team just to sort of step off the gas. And yeah, we're winding down. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We're uh, 13 points clear now. We were 12 going into the game on Saturday. We can't really afford to let our standards slip. And the fact that I walked away from that disappointed mm-hmm. just shows how high the standards at Celtic have been. No, it is about standards. I spoke about it after the game as well, Colin. Um, and I, do, I don't think there was a knee-jerk reaction after the game. We were disappointed, of course, but uh, I was looking for some positives and that's what went out on the socials. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Rocco Vata and uh, his performance. But um, I think it's an interesting point you make there where we've played worse and came away with a win. I think that's true. I think that you could look at um, quite a few of the chances. Two of the chances that Rocco uh, created, one for O, we'll come back to him as well because you've got to take that chance. One for Starfelt where I don't think it was his his clean cut, but he's got to get it on target. Um, There's also a chance that Maeda had where Haksabanovic has done very, very well to win the ball back and he flights, he dinks a ball right over to uh, Maeda. He he needs to do better there. And then you've got Kyogo, which yes, decent enough save. I'm loath to give the goalkeeper any kind of credit after his performance, but a decent enough save where he's trying to dink it over the keeper. So there's four chances. And, and you know, normally one of them is going in. Uh, normally Kyogo's scoring that goal, yep. uh, Colin, you know, out of all those four chances. And you come away and you think, you know what, these three games against Motherwell have been a bit sticky this, this season, but we got through them. It didn't happen. Uh, it really is as simple as that. That's the margin. Um, I think from the game... Haksabanovic isn't a right winger um, is one of the things I'll take from it. I'm not even sure Kyogo, and by the way, I think maybe Liam Carrigan will disagree with us. Uh, I don't think Kyogo is as effective when he's not through the middle. Just my personal opinion. I've not seen it yet. Um, And these are the things that we're learning. However, when you're going into the game and Forrest is injured, Jota's injured, Nabada's injured, you're playing your third or fourth choice right winger in, in Haksabanovic, as much as we've spoken about him and, and said we need to get more game time into his legs, Colin, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's your third or fourth choice right winger. Um, and I think that showed. So the delivery wasn't there. The understanding between him and Johnston down the right-hand side isn't there. There was a moment where, and I mentioned this after the game, O'Reilly's looking for Haksabanovic to do the overlap. If it's Jota, he's doing it without looking and Jota's there, he done it, the ball rolls out the park. Because the understanding wasn't there, the dynamic wasn't there, was it? No, it wasn't. And, do you know, I don't know about the positioning of Haksavanovic, to be honest, because when you take a look at when he's come on uh, and when he's played really well, it's typically been down the left-hand side, yeah. cutting in and hitting the shot on the right foot. Yeah. So, being out on that right, I mean, we see it with Jota as well. Jota's obviously someone who can play down both sides. But he's always been someone who prefers to play down that left to cut inside and to get the shot away. Um, so, I mean, this is what we're seeing now from your modern wingers. Gone are the days where you used to see someone hitting down onto the touchline, onto the byline, getting the ball across. There's very few players that are like that nowadays, especially the sort of types of your Haksabanovic and your Jota. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, their first thought is, I'm going to contribute to this team, and if it's not an assist, I'm going to ping one in myself. 
Um, whereas your old traditional wingers, it was getting the ball in, beat your man, get a crossover, which was more of what we've seen when Rocco Vata came on. His first thought was to get the ball over. Yeah. But when you look at the way that Celtic line up now, so on Saturday, obviously, it was Maeda, Kyogo and Haksabanovic. Mm-hmm. Maeda is not a winger. He's never a winger in a million years. Um, he's, he can get his man. Can he beat him? Yes, he can. His crossing is really, really poor. It's poor. And it's not really improved much since he's, he's took over that position. The problem that we've got in that position is his work rate is so good mm-hmm. that you take him out of the team, especially when you come up to like this game coming up on Sunday, yep. and you're like, there's something massively missing there. You need a Maeda to be able to play the high press that we play. You take a look on the right-hand side, and there was Haksabanovic. He naturally doesn't want to go down and hit the byline. He wants to try and cut inside, and he wants to try and get the shot away. His left foot, not his strongest. So then what did Motherwell do? They just doubled up on him and forced him to go outside mm-hmm. and it sort of neutralised him. Could, we did switch the wingers at one point. I did notice that Ange put Maeda onto the right and uh, Haksabanovic onto the left and he did t- seem to get a bit more joy from that. But if that's the way that we're setting up, you've got to look at what we do on Sunday because anybody can take a look at that game footage from Saturday, see what Motherwell did and do the exact same. So we are going to have to change it up. For me, I'd like to see Haksabanovic more through the middle for this game on Sunday. If indeed he makes it, we'll be talking about Abada and Jota a wee bit later in the show as well. 800 strong in the live stream. Thanks everybody for getting involved. If you subscribe, you can comment. Um, So please do that. Get your comments in and we will bring up a selection of those as we go through. Uh, Starting off with Celtic Follower on the YouTube channel. Afternoon all. When the fixture list for the last five games being made... You think it's about tea time today, Colin? So yeah, I'd imagine so. Yeah, not during the show. I don't think. I wonder who we'll get at home. We'll be having a wee chat about that as well. Um, and we've also got the Tobago Street Police Station Celtic Supporters Club. You've still not told me how many members you've got in that CSC. Rip roaring, never boring, always soaring. To paraphrase Tony, yes. And uh, Stubbs's horse comes in with an alternative. Eyes pouring, never roaring, always imploding. I'll take that to paraphrase all the Rangers. Any others, leave them in the comments section um, because obviously we can refresh that anytime we want. And Tom Milligan, so after all that, Saturday was actually a point gained. It was, Tom. It was a point gained. And um, as Kaiser quite rightly say, Rangers were silenced by the lambs. Uh, Thanks for that. Gary Doonan. We're going to talk about this. We definitely are. Where does skills man in the match performance versus them leave them in the out on loan but coming back ratings? Let us know your thoughts in the comments section. Should skills come back? Obviously not based on one performance, but um, not long after he went to Aberdeen, Colin, you and I are, I would say, pally with a, a few Aberdeen fans who used to contribute to the state of Scottish football. They were talking about making that move permanent. And um, obviously there would have been a transfer fee, probably in excess of half a million, which is what we paid for him um, in the offing as well. Um, so it's not just one performance we're talking about here. I think there's been up and downs at Patojo. Of course there has been. We don't have to get into all that. But over the piece, I think Scales has done well for Aberdeen. He has. And uh, Glenn from the Red Tinted uh, Glasses podcast that I catch up with pretty regularly, he was really positive about Scales for the sort of first half of the season. When Aberdeen's form dipped, I think Scales form dipped as well, which is completely natural. We saw that ourselves even during the behind-closed-doors season. Um, a lot of the players that we now look at to be extremely impressive had some poor games. So with Aberdeen's return to form, we've seen Scales return to form. And he looks very natural in that sort of left-sided centre-back position. And it'll be interesting because we've mentioned on this show and many contributors have said it as well that we don't really have that naturally left-footed centre-back. We've been playing sort of Starfelt in there um, and at times we've seen where it's sort of caught us out and I think a lot of the criticism he gets is because he's not naturally left-footed. He's, he's always wanting to go on his right and he's playing at left centre-back. Mm-hmm. Um, will Scales come in and dethrone any of the centre-backs just now? No, he won't. Could he be a good addition in the squad? Especially when you take a look at things like the bench we had on Saturday. I could have seen Scales on that bench, to be perfectly honest. 
Um, and if he can put cross shots, whatever he wants to call it, like that, and against the Rangers, then I'm sure he'll find a place in the Andrews squad. The thing is with that, though, is um, it, it's just a, a trait, I think, in Scottish football. If, if that happens, it must be luck. I'm looking at it thinking, why? Why is it luck? You know what I mean? I know you gave the wee thumbs up, the wee wink and all the rest of it, but if I'm a footballer, I'm taking that every day of the week and I meant it every single day of the week as well. Um, you said here's something one. earlier. Sorry, Sorry Paul, here's one. If Scales wasn't a Celtic player and was mm-hmm. playing like that, the Celtic get linked with him? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Because, you know, if you stand out in a Scottish game, that, that generally is what happens. I mean, what I want to do is expand on Gary's point there in, t- in terms of the loan signings and uh, something we've gone on about quite a bit. Colin, you and I, um, we don't always agree on players. In fact, there's there's some strong disagreements, uh, to name a few. Let, let's start off. Maritz Bauer, you <laughs> didn't rate him at all. Nope. I thought you underrate him I think he was uh, particularly with his distribution I quite liked him uh, terrible dress sense another one was Luke O'Connell and I'm still waiting for that 20 quid you're doing me because he never uh, did come back and play so, again so, uh, he's gone he's so good he's been playing extremely well sent me that goal he scored in his debut for Barnsley outstanding he scored a few more as well since yeah. um, I think his career just stalled at the wrong time I remember him playing I think it was the friendly against Wren would that be right? I remember yeah. uh, seeing him that day and thinking he looked good, he looked comfortable. He was about 18-year-old at the time. Do you, know who, do you know who else was playing for Wren that day? 16-year-old in the middle of the park that's now went on to sign for Real Madrid. Who was it? Now, I was hoping you would tell me the name because I can't remember it off the top Oh, of you can't do that. Come on, no, quiz, Quizmaster Colin. Somebody, Here we go. in the comment section will tell me exactly They definitely will tell us in the comment section. Uh, yeah, I'm just... Uh, Sorry. And he was playing for Ren as a 16-year-old. The other thing you were, you were saying there, get it out of your system, right? Um, and obviously that bad, and it was a it was a poor performance. Andrews accepted that. Uh, Carl McGregor's accepted it as well. Get it out of your system. I do agree with that because I think when you set your standards so high, Colin, all week they will be, you know, dying to get back on that park. Yes, Barry, Camavinga. All right. Was he any good? I can't remember. He was outstanding that day. It was a bad day. I mean, I remember that. That was one of the kind of pointless season ticket friendlies. And I always say, well, get someone in that means something, either to the history of the club or to the fans, like a St. Pauli, if it was a fan thing, get them in for a friendly. Um, if it was a historical thing from the, the club's perspective, get someone, an old foe from European football to come and play us, you know, but we never seem to do that. Um so do you believe in that then, the fact that, you know, that get this, the, the bad game at your system and because the standards are so high, the players will be itching as much as we are to get on that park and play Rangers at the weekend? I, I do think so. Um, when you look at it, maybe in previous seasons, if you drop points, it would be like, right, put it to the back of your mind, just go out, play your football. Not under Ange, because he has not only installed this sort of mantra of the we never stop, but he's always he's installed this mantra of always improving. He doesn't want to just set to settle at this level. He wants to keep going up and up and up. And he only accepts players that have that mantra as well. He doesn't want them to have the mentality of, oh, we just had one bad game, don't worry about it, it'll be fine next week. He wants them to be walking off the park gutted. He wants them to always continue to want to improve. And you heard that in his post-match press conference as well. They never hit the levels that he set. And he knows that, and the players after the game spoke that as well. Mm-hmm. So I fully expect that on Sunday there'll be a lot of players that want to vastly improve on the performance that they put on on Saturday. Um, and this week at Lennox Town would be really interesting to be a fly on the wall just to see what they're working on. Yeah, and and again, I think what you get from the likes of Callum McGregor, I think Joe Hart would be part of that as well, is a dressing room that even before Ange enters it, are already making those demands, Colin. They're already yeah. saying, listen, we drop below what we um, have set here. The bar has been set, we've dropped below it. It's time to put it right. Um, one final point about the game, and I've got to mention it because it was the worst example I've seen. I understand when a, when a team comes to Celtic Park, Colin, that... You know, if they try and play open, expansive football, we'll do a hibs to them. We'll beat them 6-1. You know, we'll beat a team in Dundee United 9 nothing away from home. If you try and play football, we can do that to you, right? But 
what Motherwell did wasn't just a defensive game plan strict and all this kind of stuff, right? It was absolute anti-football. You're looking at players who are roll, rolling back onto the park to delay the, the, the play. You're looking at a goalkeeper who, honestly, I mean, I was looking at his face thinking to myself, how can you look at yourself in the mirror? The play acting was unbelievable with his leg injury. The length of time every single by kick was take, getting taken. But at the time and after the game, I said to, to John and, and Paddy, I said, you know, but that is up to us to make that right. And if we take one of the chances that we spoke about, Colin, you forget all that nonsense. Yeah. And they're actually, you know, going into the last few minutes of injury time, praying for a chance. Um, now, obviously, we don't have to play them again this season. We're going into the, the post-split fixtures, but that was one of the worst examples I've seen of, of anti-football at Celtic Park. It's a real shame because uh, I heard that there's no grapes to be bought in Motherwell because they've all been sent to the Motherwell players that are recovering in hospital after that game. Mm. Um, honestly, look, I, I sort of understand it to an extent, right? You, you come up to Celtic Park and when's the last time teams like that get a victory at Celtic Park or get a chance to walk away with anything from the games? That's how dominant, even during the poor the poor seasons, um, how dominant we have been. So you take any opportunity. I understand that. I don't blame um, the Motherwell team for what they did. But as you say, when you're a spectator, you're looking at it and you're going, this just isn't enjoyable to watch. Um, it's extremely frustrating. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I was impressed that the referee added on eight minutes or seven minutes or whatever it was um, because there'd be times gone by where there'd still only be three or four minutes added and you'd be even more frustrated. Um, could it have been more quite potentially? But as you say, if Celtic take them chances, we're not talking about that. No, you're right. So, um, the, the, it's the, been accountable, the, Colin. It's about taking accountability and saying, right, OK, that's what you're up against. But Kilgo should have scored that. Maeda yeah. should have scored that. And oh, should have scored the header. Because you can guarantee if it was 2-1 Celtic in the last couple of minutes and Motherwell were pushing for the, the equaliser, they wouldn't be doing that. It's just it's the way football goes. But one one thing I do have to say is I was very, very impressed with Kevin Van Veen. I, I think he's a fantastic striker up there. I thought he did really well against the Celtic back four. He, he turns Greg Taylor inside out, basically, for that, that goal. Uh, he was unlucky not to get a second. Um, when you've got players of that quality um, at Motherwell, you're just thinking, like, if you would just, like, continue to invest and find these players, you can get up that table, you can get into top six, you can get into Europe. This big gap that they keep talking about, if you can pick up guys like Kevin Van Veen, just continue to keep that scouting going. It's recruitment, Colin. It's the quality of recruitment, as well as the youth policy, which we're going to get on to. Um, one last point about Aberdeen, again, um, Barry Robson. What a job, Barry. And the reason I'm talking about him is he's an excel. He, he was he's, he's a bit of a cult hero, isn't he, Barry Robson? Um, we've seen the, the footage time and time again of him nailing uh, Christian Daly earlier in a, a Glasgow Derby game. And um, he's done so, so well. But, you know, it's one of these ones where Aberdeen have to give him that job permanently. Dundee United have to give Jim Goodwin that job. Another excel the job permanently. If they want to build on something... These are the decisions, decisions that need to be made. I mean, every now and again, you'll see somebody throwing their, their hat in the ring. It's Joey Barton trying to get the Hearts job, for example, or, or something like that. And people sometimes get wooed by that. Let's go for profile. No. You go for somebody like Barry Robson, who's actually proven that he can do his job. The thing is, Barry Robson's not done that just once. He's done it twice now at Aberdeen. He's been in that position twice, and they overlooked him the first time. There's no chance they can overlook him this time. What he's managed to get out of that squad is really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, I think that's six wins in seven games. I would say they're definitely favourites for the third spot just now. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you know what? I think when we come up against them, it's going to be a really, really tough game. Hopefully the league's won by then. Paddy Lavery brings up uh, well done the girls yeah we're going to be talking about that Paddy Collins a massive fan has been for a while and obviously we had a few of the Axon team at the game as well we are a patron of the, the women's team um, a Celtic state of mind so uh, part of that is that uh, we do have troops at the games Jungle Lion if Celtic beat this gang next week they won't turn up for the league game Celtic may get two stands right picture the scene we beat them in a cup 
we're going for the treble. We won't count our chickens, even though you're playing a team in the final from uh, division or divisions below you. Right. So that will be the situation. They'll have nothing to play for, Colin. Um, we won't be winning a league at Ibrox. We've already been told that. The police won't allow it to happen, right? So what does happen with that final game, which Celtic don't have any tickets for? Would it still be a full house? Yeah. You think? Would, yeah. Yeah, it would. I mean, look, even if I'm playing them at tiddlywinks, I'd still want Celtic to win. Mm-hmm. So I think in general, the Rangers fans are very similar to us and they'll think that if they can put a couple past Celtic and get the three points, then it wins Michael Beale's imaginary league and uh, they've got the momentum on their side for next season. So I, I've, I understand some of the uh, talk that there's been about, well, send the, send the boys out to play them and do this and do that. No, no, no. Just beat them. Just beat them. I want to beat them every time I play them. No, I, absolutely, absolutely. But will they turn up to the yeah. party? Yeah, they will. Um, I remember games like this a lot uh, growing up, obviously, and not going to be all Celtic dab with it, but growing up during the 90s and, and their nine in a row. And uh, often this final fixture of the season was rendered meaningless insofar as it wouldn't have any bearing on the league title, Colin. I don't mean meaningless because, as you've already said, you always want to win the games. But one of the games I do remember was during the Hamden season in 94-95. We beat them 3-0. Um, and Rudy Vata scored a free kick and he ran away and his celebration was kind of like George Cadetti-esque, if I remember right. I'd need to watch it back. Obviously, uh, Rudy's 18-year-old son has been making some substitute appearances for the first team. Um, highly, high, highly rated. Earlier on in the season, there was a supposed £2 million offer or um, deal getting done to try and prize him away from Celtic Park. We bang on about the youth all the time. Um, there's probably 14 or 15 players left Celtic now um, who have come through the academy, many of whom have never played for the first team. And the next kind of bright, shining light in that conveyor belt is Rocco Vata. He's obviously represented Ireland at underage level. He came on against Kilmarnock and placed a brilliant cross at the feet of O, who missed. He comes on against Motherwell. I'm going to tell you how I've seen it. This is how it played out in my observations, Colin, and I want you to agree, disagree, and, and we can discuss it. It comes on where it's not been working down the right-hand side for Haksabanovic, other than that time where he's lost the ball, he gets it back, he dinks it over, Maeda misses a chance. I thought Haksabanovic was poor. So Rocco Vata comes on. He's just turned 18 last week. He's got, at the time, 10 minutes to make a difference. Obviously, he gets 18 minutes with the injury time. And in that time... He places two crosses over, one on the head of O, which he should score, one on the head of Starfelt, which he should get on target, and then anything's possible. And I've seen a lot, a, a hell of a lot of criticism after the game. It's not why I put out that, that that was a positive, but I've seen a lot of criticism, and I think it's unfair. Some of the criticism I've seen was that, um, you know, if he can't unsmart... Um, Stephen O'Donnell, he's not got a future in the game. I'm paraphrasing, but that was the point. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. This is a young guy who's just turned 18. Whatever you think about Stephen O'Donnell, and he's not my favourite player, he's a Scottish international player, Colin, who I think, if you check, was man of the match the last time we played England. Am I right in saying that? I have no idea. Right. So he's got the experience, and playing against an 18-year-old should be meat and drink for a player like Stephen O'Donnell. And bear in mind, he hadn't been on the park for 80 minutes because he actually came on as a sub after Rocco came on. So no, he didn't beat him. He didn't show a trick and, and beat him, etc. But what he did do is he had a directness, he had the confidence to play the two balls in. And actually, I think that he was let down quite a bit by Aaron Moy and Alistair Johnson, who constantly just bailed out and gave the ball to him rather than Johnson overlapping and giving him an out or Moy playing a one-two. He just bailed out and gave the ball to him, expected him to maybe beat a man and get a cross in. And if we want youth to do well, Colin, we need to have a bit of patience. We need to realise that this is a kid who's stepping up from the fifth tier to the first team. He's playing against international players. It's one each and we're looking for him to do something special. He's been built up, he's been hyped up. But let's give them a, a bit of time. And, and by the way, social media does make a huge impact, does have a, a huge impact on players, inexperienced and experienced. 
And I think we just need to watch that. We need, we need to be mindful of that as well. As it happens, we draw the game, but we still, you know, um, not only maintain our advantage, but increase our advantage at the top of the table. So a lot of this will be forgotten about. But if he gets criticised for 24 or 48 hours online, that's that's not going to do the player any good whatsoever. So I'm going to ask you the question, how do you think he performed? Do you disagree with my take on it? And how can we better deal with young players coming through? So... First of all, I'm going to say I think a lot of it isn't on Rocco himself. I think it was a situation he was put into mm-hmm. where with 10 minutes to go, you're chasing to try and win the game. Um, and when you look at the bench, the options aren't necessarily there for players that could come on and turn this around. You'd already brought on O. Um, you'd had to take off a couple of other players and Rocco Vata goes out to right, right wing or necessarily is where we play. For me, what it did show was the gap between the B team and the first team. And playing week in, week out against guys, and that's no disrespect to them because um, they, there's still some very good players down at that Lowland League level. But playing that week in, week out, and then, as you say, coming up against the Scotland International, mm-hmm. coming up against guys that have done this for years at this level, you could tell the you could tell there was a gap there. Now, I am absolutely all for the integration of younger players into the team. I just don't think the timing was necessarily right for that. And because we didn't win the game, the criticism probably doubled on what some people would have said wouldn't have been a great performance. I don't think he had particularly the best performance but then I don't think anybody in that Celtic team played extremely well at the weekend. Um, he was out-muscled by Stephen O'Donnell. He did kind of look very nervous on the ball as well. He put in a couple of great crosses, that's that's absolutely true. But when you're kind of looking for somebody to come on and win the game, you're looking for a bit more. And that's a lot of pressure to put on the young guy. Um, so that's why I say I think the situation and the substitution itself didn't help him. If we're winning that game 4-0 and he comes on and plays that sort of uh, game that he played and maybe even uh, scores a goal, nobody would be talking about that. We'd all be delighted that he's come on and he's, yeah. he's bagged a goal and he's started his Celtic career in a good way. Mm-hmm. So he isn't to blame for the draw. He's not to blame for the overall Celtic performance. It's just nobody got beyond that level. We were bang average, to be perfectly honest. And that's just the way it is. Everybody's got this sort of high expectation of him and they're hoping that he can go on. It was the same when Dembele came into the team as well, when young Karamoko came in. Everybody's like, oh, that, we've seen this guy on YouTube. We've seen this. We've seen all his clips. And then he didn't really hit the ground running. And to be fair, his Celtic career tailed off through injuries and other things. Mm-hmm. But we've got to sort of level our expectations for when the likes of um, Vata and Summers come into the team. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that. And he's a winger. So what you're looking for from a winger is you're looking for him to beat a man. You're you're looking for for that type of uh, performance. You're looking for him to beat the fullback with pace, hit the line, get the ball over, etc. So it, it's really evident. It's not as though you're coming on at fullback, Colin. You might win a couple of headers, a couple of tackles, and all of a sudden you've had a decent game. You're yeah. looking for him to change the game, like you yeah. say. Um, if you'd yeah. started Vata on Saturday, I mean, he could have went on and had a great game. He could have set up a couple of goals. But as you say, you've only given him 10 minutes. It was so difficult to, one, get up to the speed of the game and, two, make the difference in those yeah. 10 minutes. So, And if, and if Haxer's the third or fourth choice on that right-hand side, Colin, Vata's the fourth or fifth choice. And you've got to remember that. You know, it's a massive yeah. step up. And, and I just think, you know, social media plays a massive part now in football. We can't ignore that. Uh, and some of the comments, even just on my post, I thought were unacceptable. And they're not going to help the, the kid um, develop. And obviously, they are being seen. You can see that as well. They are being seen by the players. A couple of really good points coming in here. By the way, Pete raises a really interesting one. There's talking McCrory uh, going for £2 million from Aberdeen. We should sell them skills for one5 I think the fee that was being discussed... Was it not about eight hundred grand, seven hundred and fifty grand for scales? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So if they if they make a, a few quid on McCrory, then 
I actually do think they'll try and turn that move permanently um, for scales. Daniel F., welcome back. Apparently, Abada was taking part in the, the warm down on Saturday. Could it be a surprise inclusion on Sunday? I would love to see it. I think that we're sadly lacking at the moment at that area of the park, Colin. Um, and if Jota and Abada are back, then one starting, one on the bench, I'd go in feeling much more confident than in maybe at the weekend there when I'm looking at that bench and I'm thinking it's not as strong as we're used to. Phil Deegan battered on more in his time than Haxa Banovic did in his last two games. Haxa has been very disappointing. I don't disagree with that at all, Phil, but I would say that it's for me it's noise position. The right-hand side's noise position. Over a 1,000 strong on the live stream today. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved with that Celtic state of mind. Give us a thumbs up on the YouTube channel. Let us know what you think um, in relation to the lineup for the Rangers game as well. We've been banging on about Liam Scales, and no wonder what a finish that was, Colin. But uh, you and I have already spoken about the amount of players we have loaned out on a season-by-season basis. At the moment, we've got 12 loaned out. And I've said, you know, it's not an exact science. You can't force a team to take a player, for example, and I get all that. But surely we should be trying to manage that better so that more of our players are playing in our league. They'll never play against us. They're never going to damage us, but they might damage the opposition. And Liam Scales showed that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, we've we've spoken about this on quite a few occasions and there is players in and around the the squad that don't necessarily get the full game time um, that you think, yeah, do you know what? You could go and further your development elsewhere. Um, how many times did we speak about maybe Mikey Johnson going to Hibs or uh, Stephen Welsh going out and doing that as well? So we've saw it in the past where guys like Ryan Christie have went on and had a, a great loan spell up at Aberdeen. Chris Iyer was was pretty good at Kilmarnock um, and obviously has a great result for Scales and for Celtic yesterday. The thing is, there's a... Trying to think of the right word here. There's a sort of like the the teams in Scotland sort of turn down, look down their nose at signing guys on loan from Celtic at the minute. When we spoke about skills going to Aberdeen at first, Aberdeen fans were absolutely gutted and raging at the time that there was no option to buy in skills loan deal because they didn't want to be developing another Celtic talent that would go back to Celtic Park and maybe eventually come back to bite them. So there's almost this sort of like, we want to develop our own talent rather than look at the, the talent that's out there. Mm. But it's really short-termism because you take a look at that Aberdeen side last season, obviously finishing in the bottom six. Um, this year, they've turned it around, albeit I think the standard of the league's probably worse this year. Um, but they've turned it around and now they're going to be playing in Europe next year and they can build on that. Yeah, whether Liam Scales is part of that future or not is is going to be up to how much they're going to be able to make off a European football. Um, But the difference that he can make, we we spoke about this earlier on, the recruitment for other teams in the league is extremely poor. Very, very poor. And I I, I feel like I'm picking on this guy because I mention him every time, but Aberdeen signing guys like Anthony Stewart over signing perhaps Stephen Welsh on a loan deal, that... It doesn't make sense. No, you're right, Colin. It, it doesn't make sense. I think their frustration when they took Scales was they'd already done something similar with Adam Montgomery, where they took him on loan, but there wasn't an option to buy. And by the way, it's an option to buy. You know, we've got a player in uh, people maybe forget, Kobayashi, was it Kobayashi? No, Awata. Yep. He's on loan. But there's an obligation to buy. It was the yep. same in Maeda. He was on loan. With an op- so it's just an option to buy. You can maybe say to Aberdeen, because he scales his performance, he's right, we want a million quid from knowing that they can't or won't pay it and he comes back anyway. But you're right, I think Welsh is a great example. I would much have rathered Welsh play 25, 30 games for Aberdeen or Hibs than sit on the bench and not be in a squad because there's nowhere else for you to go if you're Stephen Welsh or James McCarthy. You're not going to get games anywhere. You can't play for the B team. So yeah, that, I think that's a great example. And some of the uh, comments coming in, Stevie Kenny. Um, time for Vata to get start games, got a wee gem in our hands here. I agree with that. Um, and uh, we've also got Irishman in Porto um, coming on to say, what would be the best for his progress though next year? A loan or stay around and maybe play the odd 20 minutes here and there. Importantly, it doesn't become another Mikey discuss. I think that at this stage, Colin, the worst case scenario for Rocco Vata next season is for him to play for the B team. So yeah. you've, you've got to ask yourself, right, you look at the recruitment at this moment in time, 
when everybody's fit, we've got enough cover on the right-hand side because you bring in James Forrest to that equation as well. Mm-hmm. There's been talk that Abada might be leaving in the summer. If he leaves and we replace him, that is no higher up in the pecking order, is he? No. And at that time, I would be saying, right, get him games. And if that means he goes out for a season-long loan, go out and do it and get games. Yeah. Sometimes there's a, a concern that he's not going to have the same um, style of football, the same approach, except the philosophy's not there that Andy's trying to instill. But I think the game time is more important at that stage of his career. I think, now when you look at, I think now when you look at it, Paul, he's so highly rated that everyone in Scottish football knows who he is. If you've not seen him, you've heard of him because of the way that he's been talked up. So if you put that notice out to the other teams in the league that, by the way, Rocco's going to be available for a season-long loan next year, I would be targeting a team that you think is going to finish around the top six for him to go out to. Because we had young Ewan Henderson, who, again, was a young talent that came through, very highly rated. The game time that he had when he was playing for Celtic, he did pretty well. I always remember back to that game, uh, the first game of Neil Lennon's second term uh, away at Tynecastle, when he set up the one of the goals, and I thought he was outstanding that night. Yep. Um, and then we punt him up to Ross County, and he doesn't really get any game time. He's, he's not part of the squad. And Ross County's got a habit of doing that. Rangers had a, a young boy that I know pretty well, Stephen Kelly, um, who now plays for uh, for Livingston. Um, and they had him as well, and they, they didn't use him properly either. It's, again, another kind of looking down your nose at the, the top two from, from Glasgow and the players that you're sending up there. Um, so I would look to put in the, the loan agreement that he's got to play X amount of games. Um, and this is going to be his position. And by the way, you can have him, and we'll, we'll cover his wages if that's going to be the, the kind of problem. You just want him to go out there and get game time. So I'd be looking for the likes of Hibs, Motherwell, maybe even Dundee United if they bounce back next year. Teams like that that like to play attacking football at their own ground, even the way St Mirren's been playing this year. It would be quite interesting to see him go out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they could potentially be playing European football next year. I'm sure they'd love to have him. Yeah, that's what I think. He needs game time. And going back to the point I made earlier, if we're going to put a quality player out, I want him in our league because he can damage your challenger as well. Kevin Mullen. Afternoon, Axom. Turns out it's a beautiful Monday. 13 clear, 1-1 away from another title and en route for a treble. And as we know, um, the coronation of uh, the king, the real king, being Ange Postacoglu, could well be the 6th of May, Saturday the 6th of May. Colin, that would be an interesting one uh, for uh, us to look back on. I wouldn't mind if it was the uh, the seventh, although the sixth for me has that sort of history to it, and we'll speak about that in a second. But um, the seventh for me would would work for me as well because they've given us a bank holiday on the eighth. They knew this was coming. They, they could just make Monday the eighth for me and Poster Cockley day. I'll be it? here. I'll be here. I'm not getting any days off. Um, <laughs> Kevin Morton, I wanted to give you a shout out. Uh, you're watching in Darlington. It's always great to know where people are tuning in from. And Terence Pat, welcome back to the show. Are you concerned how flat Celtic have been in the last one and a half games? We really need to not only win on Sunday, but put on a dominant display. Concerned, always concerns me if uh, we're not playing well. And we haven't played well in the last game and a half. Terence Pat's 100% right. Um, but I think it's a jag sometimes that you need. Um, and, and I think there's players in the dressing room, even without Ange telling them, that will be able to to put that influence um, across the rest of the team. Guys like Callum McGregor, people like Carter Vickers and, and uh, Joe Hart. I think Greg Taylor as well. Um, yeah. Apparently, is quite vo- vocal as well. I think, yeah, if we're seeing it, they'll be seeing it as well, Colin, and we'll put it right this weekend. Yeah, I, I really hope that's the case, and I do have belief that it will be. Um, look, these games at Hamden, you can't really predict how they're going to go. It's not like maybe six, seven years ago when you sort of rocked up playing them and they're coming through the lower leagues and you're like, right, we really expect that we're going to maybe stick three, four, maybe five past them. And we did do on several occasions. Um, this is a it's one of those one-off games where they know their season's on the line. They have 90 minutes to sort of salvage something from their season. Mm-hmm. We're going 90 minutes to try and get ourselves headed towards a treble, which would put us as the the with the most amount of trebles in Scottish football and world football. So 
we have to look at this as probably our most important game of the season. And that performance on Saturday won't be enough for us to get the win. So I, I fully believe that this uh, this week at Lennox Town, it'll be drilled into them how important this game is. And it's as simple as just going out there and leaving absolutely nothing on the park. That's it. If we get that performance, that by the way, I don't think we've had in the last three games against Rangers yet. We haven't came away with anything less than a draw. If we get that performance that we know we're capable of, Colin, we'll win the game. And then we can look forward to the, the final from there and, and hopefully wrapping up an eighth. It'll be an eighth treble. Am I right? Yep. Eight, yep. Yeah, so there we go. Um, I want you to tell us a wee bit about the women's team, how they're doing. Fran Alonso obviously has recovered from being assaulted on the side of the park by um, a Rangers coach because uh, he was jumping about. Shocking. <laughs> I know, Six totally years. shocking. But uh, Fran was jumping about, enjoying himself. He was even uh, dancing with people in one of the lounges after the game. Um, he's a character. He's brilliant. He's got great charisma about him. Um, he talks really, really well. Uh, he's done a few interviews on Axholm over the years if you want to check them out on the YouTube channel. And while you're there, you can subscribe and give us a thumbs up as well. 1,100 strong on the live stream. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. But, um, yeah, we're actually looking at a double this season for the, again, another double for the women's team this season. Yeah, the the league campaign, um, I think everybody's seen the, the advert for the, the big game at the Excelsior in a couple of weeks. Uh, I think it's the, is it the 6th of May that we, we play them. Um, which could potentially decide where the league's going. That's two games in a row now that Celtic have got the, the better over Glasgow City. A uh, fantastic finish from Tasha Flint. Uh, and, do you know, taking away from the game itself, the pitch actually looked pretty good, which is encouraging ahead of this weekend. As long as the weather stays good, which is predicted to be through the week, then I don't think we'll have any issues with the pitch this weekend. So that's one thing we can score out. We know who the referee is. It's Willie Collins. That's another thing we can say that we've put to bed um, so yeah it's great to see someone like Fran Alonso because he totally gets Celtic he loves he's totally the into it, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. he loves the club he's so happy to be here and he's got a core of players on that side like Caitlin Hayes who won man of the match or women of the match sorry at the weekend play the um, match whatever um when you see these players, they're delighted to put the, the green and white hoops on. And we've got to remember, they represent our club and they're doing really, really well. Um, so good luck to them for the rest of the season. Hopefully we can get our first Women's Premier League title uh, and keep this dominance of Scottish football going between both teams. Yeah, definitely. It is, it is something that uh, obviously has come into the forefront of our minds in the last few seasons. I think during the lockdown season, we, we took a real interest in it. So it's great that the team are doing well. And Fran does love the kind of principles of the Celtic Football Club uh, on his sleeve as well. Um, there's an interesting comment coming in here in relation to, well, Stevie Boy makes a comment. Um, I think the manager will play a bad, I'm not too sure. What happens, Colin, at the weekend if uh, Abada and Jota are fit? Right, so you've got a situation there where Abada's never really been a regular first pick starter. However, obviously you're going to have to weigh up the, the fitness of the two players as well. If they're both deemed fit, then for me, if you can sit on the bench, you can start a game. If you're fit to sit on a bench, you can start a game. Um, what do we do? We just we, we revert back to Jota with Abada on the bench and then we're, we're starting to look a lot stronger straight away. Yeah, I think Jota, if he's fit, walks straight back into the team. I mean, the importance of what he can bring is unbelievable. Um, it then gives you that extra option off the bench, as you say, with Abada. I'd assume that Vata would be there as well as Haksimanovic. Um, so there's plenty of options to come off the bench, um, which, as we've seen in the, the last game against them, can be massive, having those options coming off just to continue to strengthen the squad because you take a look at their bench just now, um, who they brought on yesterday, there wasn't really that many options. They had five subs to make, they only brought three on. Mm. So it tells you that they, they don't trust a lot of the players that are sitting there to come on and make any difference. Um, for me, if you've got everybody fully fit, Jota goes on the, the right, Abada on the left, and Keogh go through the middle. Um, and I also hope that Rio Hitati's fit for the game as well, because right. he would walk straight back into the team. I was going to ask that question because um, I don't want to 
ignore the fact that Awata for me was impressive again. You know, sometimes yeah, with, like, the, disappointing second half for everybody. The result wasn't what we wanted, but if you actually were to watch the game back, I mean, some of the things he was doing was unbelievable. Like he was um, almost like he's got one of the magnetic toes where the ball just sticks to him, Colin. You he know, he's pulling Tom Rogers' boots off the hanger because the cross control was brilliant. The Velcro boots, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he's got an incredible uh, touch. He's never rushed. He's got the composure. He came off a wee bit earlier than I thought he would, to be honest with you. Um, love it. Thinks Awata is a class act and will become a mainstay for us. I agree with that. But going back to what you were saying then, right, and I want to hear everybody's comments either on the live stream or underneath on the, on the video on YouTube, everybody's fit including Hatate for the weekend. So you've got Hatate, you've got Moy, you've got Awata, Callum McGregor, and you've got O'Reilly. What's your trio? McGregor, Hatate, Awata. McGregor, Hatate, Awata. And what's the shape? What's the shape of the three? Awata sitting. Mm-hmm. McGregor's the eight, Hatate's the ten. Right, so Hatati's been out now for how many weeks? Four weeks, five Maybe weeks. Maybe a bit longer. Yeah. Touching, yeah. Um, so you you put him right back in. You know you can trust him in a game like this. He's done it. He's done it before. You know you can trust him. On the flip side of that, we've also thrown a player back into a game like this, um, and they looked as though they weren't ready. I'm using Moy as an example here. Moy, who was playing some great football for Celtic. Everybody's gone on about his performances after the World Cup. He'd missed a few games. We threw him back in against Rangers. He wasn't at it. And he's never got back there yet. I'm not expecting him not to get back there, Colin. So that would be my only concern about Hatate. Uh, what does everybody think? We're about 1,100 strong on the live stream. Uh, let us know in the comments section, either live or in the comments section underneath the YouTube video, because it's, it's a dilemma, isn't it? Uh, Brennan Monaghan, welcome back. You're watching from the Netherlands. Always good to see you in the chat. Um, so, yeah, Awata was brilliant. Um, if Hatati's fit, I mean, I'm not dropping the obvious. McGregor starts every game. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not dropping O'Reilly. I'm not dropping O'Reilly because yeah. I don't think, you know, he's had, in the last three games, I think against Rangers, he was exceptional. He played a part in all three game, uh, goals. Um, he gets his goals against Kelly. And even against Motherwell, yeah, not as great as we're used to, but it's because of the performance of the team. I don't think he could be deemed as one of the worst um, players in, in that performance. So I think he keeps his jersey, Colin. I don't think you drop O'Reilly. It's very, it's very difficult and it's very close between those players. I understand the argument about Hitati. I just think when you look at it, he's got that sort of level of natural fitness that even though he's been out for that period of time, I don't think you'll notice too much when he comes back in. Uh, Moy obviously hasn't quite got back to the standards and I think it goes back to like when he was playing those pre-season games and everybody was kind of writing him off. Yeah. Once he's got a couple of games under his belt, he gets back up to it. Um, and that's kind of natural because he's a bit older than the, the rest of the players and he hadn't played a hell of a lot of football for the last, what, 12 to 18 months um, since he left China or even when he was playing out in China, there wasn't a lot of football out there. Um, yeah, O'Reilly has been really impressive and obviously his, uh, his play for the first goal against Rangers was, was top class um, and he's got that ability, he can step up and he can do that. I just think when you look at that, the way that they're going to probably set up and with it being one of those games that's just that can go either way, I want to completely control the middle of that park so that we keep them on the back foot. Um, the way that we sort of played more in the the final um, and tried to control the, the middle of the park, which I, th- I think we did do in the final, mm-hmm. um, just to give our forward players more opportunity down the field. When you look at it, the second half when they got that goal and came back into it, then we started to get more compact and we kind of pushed everybody in. Um, at that point, you're looking at who can come off the bench. If we don't play O'Reilly, then he's a great outball. If we don't play Moy, he's a good player that can come in and sort of clear up. If we don't play Awata, he's someone that can come in and he can sort of sit in that hole alongside maybe McGregor and you play the two deep sixes. So it's a great dilemma to have. And if everybody's fit, 
then it's one that's going to be someone that's far more intelligent than myself or yourself and Anne's that's going to do that. But if it was me and I was picking it, I think I would go with what I've said. No, it, listen, we're all going to have our uh, opinion on it and I want to hear as many opinions as possible in the comments section. The, the other um, discussion point I think that uh, I would like to have uh, is around uh, O as well. So I want to have a wee chat about O. The Northern Soul comes in to make a good point. Afternoon, boys. Um Drawing versus Motherwell will ensure there is no complacency in the semi-final. The draw might be a good result for us. It may well work out that way, um, certainly. It's already worked out as a decent enough result in that it's put us 13 points ahead uh, in a, at the top of the table as well. And Daniel confirms Willie Colin will indeed be the referee on yep. Sunday against Rangers as well. Um, so Stephen McLean on Navarre, I think. Uh, we've got... Is it Don Robertson's in there as well? I've seen it just before we went live. So, yeah, um, it's one of the ones regarding the... You hope it's not a discussion point. You really do hope it's not yeah. a discussion point after the game. Um, before I get on it, oh, then, the predictable links continue with regards to Ange. He's now being spoken about in relation to Chelsea. Um, you mentioned the the shocking performance of Spurs at the weekend. It's only a matter of time before they're talking about taking Ange or, what is it, plucking Ange? Are they going to pluck Ange? Is that right? Is that the, what they're using? As if, you know, he's just on a shelf that you can come along and buy whenever you want. I don't think it's as easy as that, Colin. I really don't. No. We're, going, we're going to see this speculation a lot of it, a lot of it will have weight. These clubs will be interested in Ange Postecoglou, um, but he's not finished his job yet. I mean, the two in a row. I'm not going to say it's the beginning. It's part of a process. I think he wants a run and uh, a run at the Champions League. He, he was just finding his feet. That was his first ever Champions League games this season, Colin. Yeah. It was the first Champions League games of many of the players who were involved, um, and I think he wants a proper run at this. And I think after the transfer window he's just had there in January, plus another one this summer, we'll see a team that will be far more capable of playing at that level next season. Yeah. Um, look, Andrew's obviously got his eyes set on Europe for next year. I, I don't think he goes anywhere. And why would you? I mean, yeah, OK, Spurs and that, there's, you're, what are you going to get? You're going to get money, you're going to get a chance to play maybe in Europe. The Premier League down south just gets rid of managers as if there's as if they're just a, a disposable commodity. I mean, that's what Chelsea's got rid of two this year, or Southampton's got rid of two. Uh, there's very few managers that manage to get three or four years down there in a row. There's it's gone are the days where Arsene Wenger led Arsenal for so long and Alex Ferguson led uh, Man United. Uh, Mourinho having his three, four years at a club and he could afford to have a bad year and then he'd bounce back. Uh, Klopp's probably one of the only ones that's pretty much untouch untouchable, him and Pep at the minute, and even talk of both of them leaving. So I don't think it's something that Ange wants to, to go and experience unless it's perhaps his last job because he knows when he goes down there, it's not as if in six months he can turn that team right around. Where are you going he to build always, He has. Yeah, it? He, he works on a project basis. So if you take a look at any of the, the teams he's been at, it's always been a good first season, a far better second season, and then they build on from there. You don't get the chance to no. go there. I mean, the best club is the example of this, is Watford. Watford have had 13 managers in 11 seasons. And then they turn around and say they're given this manager they've got just now until the end of next season. There's no chance he lasts till the end of next season. There'll be three other guys in before that contract even runs out. I know. You just need to look at the runny Manchester United manager since Alex Ferguson stepped down. Um, why would you enter that that circus? Um, but obviously we will deal with any speculation as it comes. Um, before we wrap up, I do want to talk a wee bit about, oh, that's two weeks running. I think he should have burst the net. Um, and at the weekend there, that is what you're buying him for. That's why he's in. You're buying a guy here who's playing full international football, Colin. He's, he's by all intents and purposes, he's replacing Yakamakis. And now the discussion goes along that, oh, well, Yakamakis would have scored that. You know, is it an upgrade? Is it a downgrade? All this kind of stuff. I think the time is now for O to step up. You're not a kid. And if you get a chance like that two weeks running, you've got to score it. You do. However, I'm going to take you right back to when Yakamakis 
first joined in his first couple of games, and especially that game against Livingston where he missed the penalty in the last minute. Mm-hmm. How many people were writing off Jakimakis at that point? My the problem with Jakimakis was his performances against Alawa and Hearts. I thought yeah. his touch was unbelievably bad. Um, the Livingston game, yeah, it was the penalty that a lot of people was giving him stick for, but you're right, it took him a while. It took him a while to settle. Yeah, I would... I'm not going to pass any judgment on O until next season. A couple of games into next season. Um, I think you look at the players that have made that adjustment in culture and moving over here. Um, Hatate had a good start, tailed off towards the second half of last season, or the second half of the second half of last season even, and then came back in and he's been a revelation. Mm. Um, there's only certain players that can hit the ground running. And I think Kyogo was one of them. And the reason for that is he's a bit older. I mean, I think he's 28, 29 now. So he's like ages with me when he moved over. Whereas O at 22, he's going to take a bit of time to settle. Yeah, we've got the players here that can um, help him integrate within Scotland. But he needs that time and he needs a pre-season to go from what he's used to playing to the style of football that Ange wants him to play. Yeah, I think he should have put that ball away on Saturday. But I'm not going to write him off yet. I still think there's a really good player there and we'll see the best of all towards next season. It's really balanced. I'm not writing him off either, Colin, but if the ball drops him 12 yards out with five minutes to go on Sunday and it's one each, are you confident he's going to score? Do you know what? I'm going to back him. Yeah, I'm going to say he will. Yeah, why not? We'll come back to that. Uh, Barry, Mc- by the way, I agree with Barry here. I disagree with you, Colin. Maeda is always going to play against Rangers as he keeps Tavernier pinned back. I, I, think- I did say I would play Maeda on Sunday. I thought you said, you said Abada, no? No, no. Maeda, Jota, uh, Maeda, Jota and Kyogo. In-game management, Colin. You, you, you change your mind in-game, it's fine. No problem. I'm sure oh, you, you said can, Abada. You can go back and watch the tape. It's all out there. I'll watch the tape. I'll watch the tape. Um, and it'll be a better it'll be a better tape to watch than the VR, I'm sure. Um 20 years ago today, we were playing in a semi-final of a UEFA Cup. And um on that particular night, away from home against Boa Vista, we win 1-0 going through 2-1 on aggregate, drawing the first game one each at Celtic Park. And the goal scorer, if you didn't already know, was uh, the one, the only Henrik Larson. Now, two players who played that night, Alan Thompson and John Hartson, will be joining me on stage, on two separate stages, this Friday and Saturday night. Friday night, we're at Gracie's with Tomo. Saturday night, we're at the Barra's um, Art Design with John Hartson. We're down to 25 tickets for John. I can't remember the last 30-odd for maybe Tomo. If you want to come along, ticket link underneath the video. Every single person that buys a ticket goes into a prize draw. Um, as well and both of them are likely to sell out and it'll be great to look back on both of their careers uh, Colin there's another special anniversary today isn't there uh, well I thought there was but it turns out the date's wrong oh, well, it was well, just that we'd, we'd seen some great footage I'm glad I never took your word for yeah. it then no but there's some there's been some great footage put out there today um, I think it's Lisbon Lions on Twitter go and check it out and it's the radio commentary from uh, 1986 May, I, I thought you were kind of referring to it because it was. I think it was May 6th, 1986 when Celtic have that fantastic performance at Love Street, putting in the five goals. Um, and you hear the radio commentary of Albert Kidd's two goals against Hearts. Uh, and do you know what? It's a young Derek Ray that's commentating Is that right? at uh, Dens Park that day. So it's, it's really you interesting. Know what? You know what? I've got that. I've got, and I don't know if it's on YouTube, I'll check first, but I've got the radio footage um, the night Cadetti scored and blew the airwaves. Five I've live got off that. There, yeah. Aye, I've got that somewhere, so I'll dig that out if it's not out there. Always interesting to look at the wee bit of the history. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. 1,100 strong. Colin and I haven't fallen out, which is <laughs> yeah. great because th- yeah. there, ma- there are many disagreements uh, in the mix, Colin. But um, thanks, everybody, for getting involved. If you've enjoyed what we're doing today, give us a thumbs up on the YouTube channel. If you want to comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well and let us know your thoughts on how we set up at the midfield against Rangers on Sunday as well. Have we been too harsh on Vata? Have we been too harsh on O? Let us know in the comments section. Thanks everybody for getting involved and thank you to Colin Watts. Sorry, Sorry, last minute. One last thing. Yeah, just want to wish Bernie Kelly all the best for their triple bypass on Friday. Um, 
gutted they'll be missing Axon, but you know what? As Paul says, it's all on YouTube. You can go back and catch up once you're back fit and healthy. All the best, Bernie. I hope it all goes well and you can join us in the comments section soon, my friend. So thanks, everybody, for getting involved and thank you to Colin Watt for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.